right, ladies and gents, it's that time. Turn up your speakers, strap on a smile. It's the Sims and Lefko Podcast. Here's your host, Adam Lefko and Chris Sims. All right, okay, don't mess with me for sweating. There's a lot of people in here right now, and I'm a big person. Yeah. Episode 48 of the Sims Lefko Podcast. Who's your 48? You said you had a good My one. My 48 is a uh, Moose Johnson. Moose Johnson, yeah. All right, so I have, one, I have one that I looked up. Right. Gerald Ford. Okay. Like the ultimate sure, 48. Right. And I looked it up. John Ritchie did wear 48 when he was on the Eagles, ah. 40 on the Raiders. Okay, so okay. I'm not a complete so idiot. A complete idiot. Yes. Yeah. You got a 48, Fendi. Blair Bynes, uh, four-year linebacker, defensive lineman at Rutgers, the State University of New Jersey. Uh, but more importantly than my number 48, <laughs> I got a tweet this past week on the podcast account about last week's episode that said, definitely awkward because Sims had a buzzing crotch, but very good. I'm a fan. Go Chiefs. Referring to your cell phone that you can't keep in your pocket. Yes, yeah, yeah, this well, is I great because we, right there. we literally have Bill Cower sitting right yes. here, and he has this no is idea his first taste of podcast. Well, I mean, thank you for <laughs> showing Bill Cower that great Rutgers athlete in history. Course, that's, that's what, what, what he wanted to know about. And then he, he's over here sweating because Bill's sitting here it's watching. It's not because of Bill. There's <laughs> a lot of people. All right, Pellegrino, <laughs> let's see the fingers. Oh, those are great fingers. Control room. Let me holler at you really quick. We got some new. We got Jake running the show. Some Michelle, new people in and there. Look, we got George standing. Power stand. That's a power stance right there by George. Uh, no, well, I mean, look, nuts. What, what a week it was. Let's go through the rundown really quick. First and foremost, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I can't wait to talk about him because he's so <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, one guy named Brady, another guy named Manning. Apparently, they play each other a lot. We'll talk about that, too, and get our championship picks for who we think is moving on. I don't want to wait anymore. Let's bring him in. Bill Cower. Yeah, the coach. Yeah. The coach yeah. looks very confused right now. Car par. How you doing? How you doing, How you doing coach? Good to see you. Good good to see you. See you. He's usually sweats during this, but yes. you're here. You're adding a little more pressure. I have pressure. a little bit of a glisten. <laughs> I'm not a TV professional like, like you, you guys. You're very excited. That's why I like that. Yeah. Let, I want to get right to it, though, because... Uh, we, we get guests like you because of, of major companies, PepsiCo. What do you guys got going on? Uh, give, give them the pitch right now. Well, basically, I was able to team up with PepsiCo this year for the Game Day Grub Match. And you can find mm-hmm. really all the details on GameDayGrubMatch.com. But basically, what they did was taken some students from, from the Culinary Institute of America, uh, put together three teams, and come up with a Game Day dish that would have to use multiple PepsiCo ingredients. Mm. And so uh, the winning dish actually was a pot sticker. A, uh, a egg roll, shrimp roll, a um, egg roll, and also a uh, chicken wing. Oh. So it was uh, really, really good to be honest. Yeah, with I, you. Sure I was on, say. I was on the uh, uh, the panel to be able to judge this, and we got a chance to taste all this. So they were very creative. How very, old are these kids? Um, you know, they're they're college kids. And okay. These are college kids that are all want to take their their um, their knowledge and take it to the next level to to uh, restaurants and sure. you see them everywhere. And and, and it, it really was awesome. And and again. Uh, they won what they tra- was a five thousand dollars scholarship, a chance to go to the Super Bowl. We will see them out there. Awesome. Um, and so, uh, like I said, I think PepsiCo is uh, with all the things that they were able to do, along with the Culinary Institute of America, mm. um, come up with uh, the Game Day Grub Match dot com. You can go to that. Yes. But what's better than uh, to come up with some kind of food on Game Day? Um, and it was kind of creative because it kind of gave you a little taste of everything. Yeah, well, I was gonna say with the chicken wing, what Pepsi product did they use to like make a little, for a little like you're talking like about a glaze? You're, you're or talking about Cheetos. You know, crunching up like Cheetos and doing uh, things like that. Right, and, you know, yeah, and, I, right, right. and that was kind of a hit home with you me. You wouldn't eat yeah. any of that. <laughs> that. That is the opposite well, of the you. Cheetos. I, I would eat all of that. that right? yeah. You eat Cheetos? Well, yeah, I would. I mean, it would he not be. He is the a... weirdest with food I've ever met in my entire life. Have you ever had an egg? Uh, no, I've no never had egg. an egg. We wow. haven't had his first bagel. But Cheetos, you get down with. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't. Want, I wouldn't make that a staple of my diet. Uh, but yes, I would on a Friday night. I'd certainly get my hand in a bag of Cheetos. Right. Yeah, oh, you got to have a little bit. Right. Of food. All right. Uh, I just want to get right to it. Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't think people realize how special that was. It was two hail marys back to back, plus the ability to run, turn your body. We were talking about it on Sunday when we were watching games. Just to have the arm angle and to get it that high. Right. What, what were you thinking when you watched that? Well, I was fortunate. Uh, we had the Thursday night game. Green Bay played Detroit. Right. And I was on the sideline. Um, I usually watch oh, the I'm game talking about, the I'm talking about the Arizona. I, I understand oh. that. So I, I, but I'm sorry. I'm excited. I know. I'm excited. excited. And, um, so basically what I'm saying to you is I sat there and watched him throw that ball in Detroit. 
And I've never been more amazed at a pass when it came out. It looked like one of those things that came out from a, a gun. You know, right, you like one of those doo-doo, like yeah, a basketball yeah, yeah. game or whatever. Also, but it went right. out, and it just like felt like everyone was just looking like this, all the players. And so when he did this the other day, um, I'm sure when you watch that and you're preparing for that and you get to the end of the game, I had no problem with the call. I mean, Bruce said, you know what, I'm not going to let him run right. around, right. get down there, I'm going to blitz him. Well, he lost contained. Yeah, right? that's the big I thing. Mean, they just lost their. Yeah, and integrity. there was a little bit of holding, I right. think, on the play. Sure. But you know that got didn't get called yeah, in the last course, play of the game, of course, right? So, right. Um, but um, you know, it's just amazing. The guy I've watched this guy and what he was doing and the players he had around him right now this year. Um, you know, I mean, you lose Jordy Nelson. Um, you know, Randall Cobb has been. He was off and on all year long. Right. Um, and so I think again. Um, this player, he is a special player. He inspires those around him, and I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League. I mean, you just watch his presence on the field when he comes out of the huddle and how, you know, he has an air of confidence he about does, him right? that just permeates throughout the team. Yeah, and he never looks phased by no, any situation. No, and he's always ready to just nothing. give the championship belt <laughs> yeah, there, yeah. you know. Well, uh, one thing we were talking about, though, with Aaron Rodgers is uh, we, we saw this offseason, a lot of quarterbacks have power over the coaches that were hired. We saw Eli and Jameis and Mariota and a lot of these guys. Right. And we were talking about this. He has so much power, I can imagine the Packers organization. Right. And you talk about the lack of weapons and the simplicity of this offensive game plan. Maybe he doesn't realize what he has. You were saying this on well, Sunday. Well, I said that maybe he doesn't realize maybe some of the offensive concepts that he's missing out on because I don't think that's the most creative offense in right. the world. But I actually like where you're going with that, too, because uh, we have had that conversation a lot, just how this day and age, it does seem like the quarterback has almost become the most powerful guy in the organization. Uh, I would like to hear your thoughts on that. And you had to deal with something like that in Big Ben, not that he was, but he was certainly that you're franchise. Hungry. Yeah, you know, right. I mean, I, I, I don't know if power is the right word. Right. I think they've had some men, maybe some influence in the decision making, but I just think you got to be really careful if, if what you're trying to do is just develop a quarterback. Yeah, right. I mean, I think there's a lot of guys that have been very good coordinators, um, that, but when you become a head coach, you're taking a step away. You, mm. you, you know, a lot of guys, yes, they can make, they can call plays. We see Andy Reid calling plays. We see Mike McCarthy calling plays. But, you know, you don't think that that's an easy thing to do. And so you have to really make sure if you want to develop your football team, that you're able to get a guy that can be a leader, he can delegate. Sure. Um, and I don't think it necessitates being an offensive coach. Right. So, I mean, it doesn't necessitate being a guy that the quarterback is comfortable with. I think the most important thing for a quarterback, you want to get a quarter, young quarterback and get him to have some success, build a defense and give him a running game. Right. And let him develop into that throwing like guy. Like what you did with Big Ben. You, you exactly. mentioned something. We have this discussion all the time. You say with Chuck Pagano, man, right. I wish he'd start calling the plays again. Right. How do you do you do that where in terms of wanting to call plays but also taking a step back? How hard is that? Well, I mean, I think you still can be involved, but I think you can still delegate. I know that there were times even in a football game I would, I would make a suggestion for an offensive play and I would make a suggestion for a defensive play. And right. my only prerequisite was don't question me, call it. When right. I say to call something, call it. And yeah. if it works, you will get credit for it. And if it doesn't work, I will take the blame for right. it. So, I mean, that's just the that's way it's going to work. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's just the way it's going to work. And, I mean, we can, we can talk about it after the series. Sure. We can talk about it before. But when I say something, um, that becomes that – awesome. That's golden. That was so, awesome. I mean, I mean that, that's it's the just, head coach. Yeah, I mean, that, you're that, the you know, going to be – So, like, it's, it's like you come down to a fourth and one. You come down to, you know, a third and four. Um, you know, if, this, if it's a game-deciding call – um, I want to know what you're thinking. Right. And I wouldn't want to know that. I would want to know that on a Saturday night or Saturday morning as we discuss it. Right. But also then let's discuss it again um, you know, on Sunday because sure. sometimes things change. Well, and, and, and when you're a great defensive mind like that, like how did, yeah, I just want to, I want to ask a few questions about that too. So you become the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You get a defensive coordinator. You know, how much do you interject in during the weekly game planning for an offense? You just say, hey, I see this. I'd like, you know, let's try this or this. Or do you just trust the guy to know what you kind of like in general as no, is? I was in there for the whole you Tuesday uh, defensive preparation. Game I knew exactly right. what we were doing, had right. input to what we were doing. Right. I would then meet with the offense later in the uh, day on Tuesday right. and ask what they were doing um, and see what the thought was going in, uh, make some suggestions. And then I would also ask them to give me uh, like two or three plays once I watched this on Wednesday and digested a little bit more of the offense because I couldn't do both in the same day, right. that uh, I want to be able to put something in. If I, if I don't give it to you by Thursday um, and you can't rep it Thursday, I'm not going to give you something Thursday just to put it on Friday. Right. So I, right. I, I had up until Thursday morning when I walked in to be able to give them a couple plays that I may want to do. So, again, you know, it, it, you know, that's, that's what you want to do. But at the same time, 
you know, when you get in the course of a game, you want a play caller to feel comfortable. To, and I just want to know what you're thinking. Like, what are you thinking on the third down? You know, after, right. after the series, I would talk to them in between series, mm. not during the series, because you have to have kind of a, uh, a clear head and thinking. Well, I, I, I want to say Bruce yeah. Arians, because there was a play that I thought I loved and everyone else hated, and that was Bruce Arians throwing it on second down when they were trying to run the clock out, taking a shot at Larry Fitzgerald. I love Bruce Arians, and I love the Cardinals because they have a great identity. They know who they are. And Bruce Arians is not afraid. And you know that if you complete that to a receiver that had 170 receiving yards in that game, you win the game, it's over. That's who he is. How do you balance situational football with your identity and what you want to do? I, I want to say this first of all. I watched the, that, that highlights of that play again last night and yeah. saw Bruce Arians' post-game press conference. I have a feeling Carson Palmer did that on his own. You think so? He may change the play. I think it was a running play, and yeah, they had the one on my matchup well, with Carson Wall side of the situation. Just by Bruce's reaction in the press conference and his reaction after the play. I saw his face again, and I was like, oh, wait, it made me change my opinion, but I don't I, know. I would not have given them a play where it was an option. Right. You're, you're running the football. Right. Okay, right. so that, right. that's just Yeah, me. I got you. Okay, got you. and um, I had no problem with the blitz and on the Hail Mary. Sure. I had a little bit of an issue with that. He got away with it, which is good. Yeah. Anyway, the other thing that I know some people have talked about, and, and I think I wouldn't have done it, but some people said even for Aaron Rodgers, when you, when you throw the Hail Mary, um, do you go for two? Ah. You know, do you go for two with a chance to win the game, um, or do you uh, sit there and go to overtime? I would Aaron, have gone to over overtime yeah, just, just from the yes. standpoint because their defense had been playing well. Right. And it was a low-scoring game. But, you know, it's just an interesting concept. And I think it's, you know, that's what makes our game great is everyone can yeah. sit down back and second-guess. Uh, yeah, when for the game's everyone, it's like, well, Aaron Rodgers and the offense, they were clicking. Not really. They had half their yards but on those a, two throws. Well, people yeah. don't realize he threw for 262, 101 were yeah. in the last drive. So they weren't, <laughs> no, no. you know, it's a little, it is a little misle- misleading. Uh, you talk about Aaron Rodgers, how incredible that was. He always hears stories about coaching staffs that see Big Ben and they see – Wow, you know, he's not really throwing a lot in pregame yet. He just kind of goes well, out there and I, does I'll tell that. the story. Like the 49ers, some of the 49ers coaches, they, they played them earlier this year. They were in a maze because they're like, Ben threw like one ball in pregame. And then he put his bat, baseball hat on and he walked around and he talks to everybody. And, I, you know, of course, I find that fascinating. And, of course, everybody else does, too. Uh, but we just want like to Paul expand Bunyan on that a little stuff. bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know Ben is um, the ultimate gamer. He is a he's a total gamer. Right. I mean he, he he's one of those guys. He, he's a tremendous competitor. Right. Okay. And and he's able to see things on a field that and do things athletically. I mean a lot of times you like you talk about his ability to move people with his pump fake. Mm. Um, it's not really moving people. I think he's going to go throw it and the guy's there. He's covered, so he pulls <laughs> it back and uh, so I'm going to go back over here. So he just <laughs> right. creates this window with that. Right. Um, but he's a he's got a great. He's very accurate. He's got great anticipation. Great understanding of the offense. Um, and he he's he's a leader. He's a big boy. He's yeah. a big guy that can buy time. Um, and I think he's just become wiser as yeah. the years have gone on. Um, he understands where he's at, where he needs to be more importantly. And, um, and like I said, I mean, I, you know, everyone's talking about, you know, Keith Tlaib come out and they, they thought that he, you know, he kind of played it up a little bit being hurt. But, you know, I think for a guy who didn't practice all week, I don't think he was really sure what he was going to be able sure, to do. Right, and right, I think, you know, all right. of a sudden you get a couple of days off and then the, the adrenaline of game day comes. Right. And, um, and he got through it. So I don't think of it, you know, they prepared for it like he did. He didn't waste any time to show yeah. that we can throw the ball deep, first right. play of the game. Right. Um, uh, but uh, Was there a time where he was young, kind of getting going, you were like, man, this kid doesn't need all these reps. He can kind of just go out there and sling it around? Uh, that was the problem. Therein lies the problem. Because <laughs> I think um, there was a time when he was just slinging it around, and I thought he needed to stay in there a little yeah. bit more and go through his progressions as a right. quarterback. Sure. So we used to have a, long, a lot of uh, conversations about that, particularly those first 15 wins, because oh. about halfway through he was just walking out of the meeting thinking, did we just win that game? Yeah, yeah we right. won the game, but we will not win if you continue to just, like make this street ball every play. I mean, uh. there's times when you can do your thing and you can start – to do scramble and create, right? And, you know, get out of the pocket where you're comfortable and and do what you need to do. I said, but there are other times where you need to go through progressions. You right. need to throw these things on time because it'll it, it'll make it'll give you longevity. And yeah. I think that's the thing that's right now. Todd Haley has given him an offense where he's taking less hits, definitely, and it has given him longevity. Haley's another guy that doesn't get enough credit, right? I mean, everywhere he goes, the offense seems to be clicking, but yet, yeah. no. He had that one chance with, what was the quarterback's name in Kansas City? Matt Castle? No. 
uh, well, he went Brody Croyle. Brody Croyle. Um, yeah, that, that's how we'll judge his offense. Okay, we don't care Sorry. about that. Let's go. All right, here we go. Next thing, I want to ask him about Manning and Brady, okay? just know, That's going to be something to talk about all week. Uh, but I just want to – we know they're both great. But what was it like preparing them? Just give me, like, one or two little talking points preparing for each one back in their prime there in the mid-2000s, early 2000s. Well, Tom, with Tom in, um, in New England, you know, I think where he's at right now um, – you know, t- to, to me, the, the biggest thing is is right now Julian Edelman is is, is the guy. Him and Gronkowski, right. and and you know, and I think that, you know, the things you have to do is I think you have to minimize um, the big plays by tackling well with this guy, and you're going to move the football. And I think the biggest thing you can do against them is minimize the big plays, get them into third downs, and try to move him on this off this spot. You know, I think the, the one thing is I would not sit back and give him a three-man rush, but I would not sit there and blitz him every down. Mm-hmm. You have to mix it up against Tom Brady where he feels at least some degree of indecision with what you're doing to not let him feel comfortable because if he can sit in there like he did last week, I mean, Vollmer, left tackle, right. Cannon on the right tackle, right. those guys, they, they played very well against they're a good. pretty good pass rushing yeah. uh, team. Although they're going to be tested this week going against Denver. But right. um, I just think you have to somehow move him. And with Peyton where he's at right now, it disguises everything. You know, you, you cannot give him pre-snap reads. Yeah. I mean, because even just for the running game and the passing game, you know, he's so smart. He'll get them in the right play. Um, you know, right now you watch him last week half the times and he's in shotgun. Um, there's no question the running game is better when he's under center. Um, but he is throwing the ball some more yeah. under center. Right. Clearly is a much more higher percentage of runs under center. But then Peyton knows that, so the first time he comes out, he goes under center, he throws the ball two or three times. So he's smart enough to understand that, but at the same time, what he gives you right now is a guy that's going to put you in the best play. The right. funny thing was back in that early 2000s, Brady, it was always like, we're waiting for, for the truth to really come out, that this is all a fraud and it was a lucky run. And Manning felt like this incredible intelligent force that didn't matter how good your defense was, he was going to come up and figure it out. And it's, the thing to me is like, it, it, it's almost like you've seen a change because it used to be Peyton Manning who was throwing the ball 50-sometimes yes, a game. Right. And it was New England that was running the football with yes. the play action. And now all of a sudden it's Peyton running the football. Yeah. And, it's, and it's Brady back there throwing the ball every 55 play. every play. Yeah. So, you know, they've kind of like been two ships passing in the night in terms of their philosophies. But the one thing they both are are great leaders. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they know how to manage a game. Yeah. Look, coaches are the ultimate competitors, the players and all that. And I know that good competition brings out more a Belichick week. Was it what was the atmosphere like in your building? Well, I mean, I think you know, you, you know, with Bill, um, number one is he's going to take away what he perceives to be your strength. Mm-hmm. That being said, then you look to find ways to potentially using that as a way of maybe utilizing another element of your offense. Right. So you know what he's going to try to do, and I think the biggest thing with him is be ready to adjust. Whatever it's going to be, he may come out in a four-man line, a three-man line. He may come out and try to max blitz you. He may come out and do drop eight drop people. Eight, and, right. So the biggest thing going against Bill, um, to me, is that, that you have to be ready to, to, to make some adjustments in game, mm-hmm. both sides of the ball. Right. So you have to go in there with a, uh, an idea of being flexible thinking um, and understand that you're going to have to make some adjustments. And I think if you go in there and understand what we're trying to do conceptually, and know that to execute what we're trying to do, we may have to change some things up because mm. of what they're doing. Right. We'll stay with the same concept because we know what we want to attack. We know what we want to you know, hide from our standpoint is our weakness. But we may have to do this a little bit differently, so just be prepared for some changes on the sideline. Right, right. Um, all right, I, gotta, I wanna ask you one about one of your, one of the greatest play calls in the history of the Super Bowl you don't ever get credit for. I was there, Super Bowl 30. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, just a little reference, like Sean Payton, he gets all the credit for calling right, an onside right, kick right, in the right, Super Bowl. Right. And the funny thing is, my dad was doing that game. He did your game as yeah, well. Yeah. And and Sean Payton had told my dad on Wednesday, we're going to open the second half off with an ki- uh, onside kick. And my dad told me the night before the game. Yeah. So I was sitting there watching the game, ready for it. But I wanted to know, just from your standpoint, at what point during Super Bowl preparation week did you figure out, okay, I'm going to call this? And did you make up your mind before the game it was going to be called, or did you have to have the right situation? And your dad will, will, will confirm this because I said you, Did you Phil, tell him, Phil? I, I, told, right. I told him we were going to do it, but not only that, I just said, you know, I'm still not sure. I'm, I'm thinking about doing it on the opening kickoff. Oh, and, he, and he said, and I go, but, you know, I feel if I do it that, I really don't gain a possession. Mm. Ah, you, know, right. I just, you know, I just don't feel like I, it's, it's going to change much because right. the game really hasn't started. Right, so, right. so I think in, almost in talking to Phil about it, 
that I talked myself out of it doing the opening kickoff. So, <laughs> I, so because you know those guys, it's always it was always very easy. I told them everything we're going to do because they're they're very good about. You know, I mean, it was for their mm. reference only, but I just I knew we were going to do it at some point. Right. And it just it was the right time. It was in the third quarter. We had just scored, um, and it kind of got us back into the game. Definitely. It really did. It was a big and time. It, big time. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you, you start seeing the terrible towels come out right. in Arizona. And right. You're starting to get in the field. We had been a team that come back before that whole year. We kind of um, – it was, it was a really a special team. Right. And, um, you know, unfortunately, we end up turning the football over too much in that game. Mm, right. But, uh, it was um, no. I, I I talked to your to your dad the um, the day before, and I, I just started thinking, nah. I mean, I, I I knew it was there. Right. But I said, if you're doing the opening kickoff, what do you really? Gain? You're right because the game hasn't started no, yet. You game, might you go three and out and yeah, be like, yeah, oh, I mean, that was a waste of nothing. Totally waste. Right. And I I really felt good about it, so it, it just presented itself in the third quarter. That's well, so funny. One, one more follow up on that, just because you had so many great teams in the '90s, there, early 2000s, that, uh, and of course, I know you won the Super Bowl. But out of the teams that didn't win the Super Bowl, who do you look back at and go, "Man, that was our best team"? We just, you know, whatever, got unlucky in the playoffs, whatever I, it was. I think, I think the '97 team, uh, 1997 team, we 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 were really when you lost to the Broncos in the lost championship to the Broncos game. in the championship right. game at home. Right. You know, Cordell unfortunately had thrown two interceptions in the end zone. Right. Um, and, but we had a really good defense. Mm. We had a very uh, Jerome was in his prime. Um, you know, and. Um, you know, and Cordell was a young quarterback, and we were kind of doing things with him that and were un- they done. were unconventional. Right, you know, we yeah. were we had run the ball with them. We were running the option, doing the things that people are doing now. We right. were doing sure. quarterback then. sweeps and, and stuff. you know putting them out, and then you know we were we we would go empty at times, um, and so we really had a very dynamic offense. Um, Chan Gailey was our offensive coordinator, um, mm. and did, probably got the most out of them, and so um, it was it was a special team and. You know, we had a chance to get off the field, and uh, John Elway hit Shannon Sharp on a third, big third down right. play. Then they gave the ball to Terrell Davis, and I think that's the year he ran for 2,000 yards yep. or yeah. close to it. It was and the next year, but yeah, yeah, yeah. he had a good year he, regardless. He was a special yes. back at that time. Right. So I thought that was our best team, and uh, unfortunately we lost that game. Yeah. You bring up Terrell Davis. We were just talking about how his three-year stretch is that good enough for the Hall of Fame, and it leads me to a guy that I believe yes. you coached, Kevin him. Green. Yeah. He sits up here all the time, and we do videos all the time, and it's as if he's as Kevin Green's publicist. We have to do videos <laughs> for the Hall of Fame. He's and the third most sacks yes. in the history of the NFL, yeah. and he's not in the Hall of Fame. Why? Uh, that's a good question. And honestly, I, hopefully this, this day will come this year, I would think, because I think people need to recognize that he was a special player. Right. Um, he was a guy you had to prepare for. Um, and, I, and, and that's the difference to me. Is, is this guy a game changer? Is he a guy that makes you have special game plans uh, when you go in to play against him? Do you have to recognize where he is? Does he have a presence on the field? Right. And I think uh, Kevin Green um, is all those things. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he was a guy that could play the run. He could rush the quarterback. Very smart. Very productive, as you talked about, and did it uh, with really three different teams. Right. He did it with us. He did it with the, the Rams before us, and mm-hmm. he did it with Carolina after us. So. Um, this guy uh, did it for a long time, did, did it very well, uh, the best at his position, and uh, I think he should be uh, uh, recognized as that. Yeah. I'm always curious about coaches and, and how you deal with the last game and then mentality-wise moving on. So Arizona survives this miracle. Carolina stomping Seattle 31 nothing, and then just shuts it off and then almost lets it go. How would you handle those situations heading to the championship game as a coach? Uh, we're heading into another game, so we will learn from our past, um, but uh, we will not get away from what we've done well. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and dwell on something. When you win a football game, you win it for a reason because you did what you had to do gotcha. when you had to do it. Um, certainly there are things that you need to le- you can learn from. There's th- certain areas that you'll have to improve on because with each game it becomes a little bit bigger challenge because you're playing, in theory, a better team. Right. So um, so I think the biggest thing is is... is you know, don't get away from what you did. Um, recognize what you need to get better at, and uh, kind of find a little bit of a wrinkle that uh, that can make you know that can kind of give your team a spark. We always right. had some kind of little wrinkle that I felt like, whether it's the defensive blitz, whether it was an offensive gadget play, right. something that can kind of be a difference in the pre in, in the postseason because everybody sees you. They they, they get a feel for you. They're you're all not, over your you're not you're not going to really going to trick anybody right. um, based on what you've done, and you know you're not going to totally out execute everybody because everyone's pretty good. Yeah, right. So you right. know you need to find something that can maybe one or two plays that can impact a game that maybe, you know what, it gets the players a little bit excited. Right. So, you know, it doesn't have to work. I think if it creates a little bit of a, an excitement within your football team and 
you know, and again, I think the biggest thing is you can't lose your swagger that got you there. Mm, yeah. Um, but uh, just recognize that uh, is it, you have to have a tremendous focus and um, and not get caught up in it and just keep overcoming every challenge that's thrown your way. Sure. Right. All right, last thing, at least last question I got. I'm not a journalist, so I can't, I'm running out of questions. No. Uh, Stop but it. I just want like two interesting things about you with each matchup. Just want you know one thing from each game: Arizona, Carolina, uh, New England, Denver. Just something that jumps out to you. you go, man, this could be one well, of those underlying factors. I think the Arizona, the Arizona Carolina game is kind of like to me. It's 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 strength versus speed. I mean, you have the speed of Arizona that right. to me is on, on both sides of the ball. Right. And you have a kind of the brawn imposing, you know, the imposing factors of the Carolina Panthers. Right. Um, I think early in that game, you'll get a feel for this. I think you know Arizona matches up well. I mean, their feeling is we went down here last year with uh, Ryan yeah, Lindley. Lindley, right? Okay. Yeah. Now we got Carson Palmer. That's a little bit of an upgrade. Yeah. Um, just so, you know, <laughs> and so you know, but I think that this Carolina team, they have something special. You know, I just, I just don't know if there's a weakness with Carolina is um, their secondary. Yeah. You know, but can, but can their rush, you know, Kawan Short, I mean, oh, what he's what done in this postseason, can right. he put the pressure on Carson and make him, him uncomfortable? last game, yeah, unbelievable. Put the pressure in the middle against Carson Paul. Right. So I think that's a huge matchup on the interior of that because yep. outside, I think it's hard for those guys to match up in terms of yeah. Josh, Mark, Josh Norman can only cover one of them. Exactly. Right. Right. So, oh, we saw right. Kirk Cousins on, uh, not Kirk Cousins, uh, Kirk Coleman on the island. He was yeah. getting burned yeah, last right, week. Right. And, I think, and I think in Denver, you know, for, for, for you know, did Peyton Manning, you know, he, he threw the ball over 30 sometimes um, and, you know, 37 times, I think, or 33 times he had in this game. Yeah, and, how does and, Denver uh, win this game? Because for um, me, their defense. Just, their yeah, defense. They have to make a play, at least I think, their at defense, some point, right? right? right. Sack, fumble, you know, something. Yeah, and it's just, you know, it's one of those things that, to me, this is where the defense has to step up. I mean, yeah. I know that they put a little bit of pressure on Ben last week, but I think they're going to have to do more of that, right. particularly on the inside um, against Tom Brady. We talked about getting him off his spot. Yeah. They can match up, certainly, in the secondary with these guys. Um, there's no, there's no doubt about that. Right. And I think they need, to, they need to be able to tackle very well in this mm. game. And I think again for Peyton is, you know, um, you know, I, you know, Bill Brady, uh, Bill Belichick is preparing differently because Osweiler, it's, it's the boots, it's outside. Now with Tom, it's going to be inside. But a game, same thing again with Tom. I mean, with going Peyton, against, right? going against Peyton, because you better <laughs> disguise it because he will get them in the right play. Right, mm. right. I know it's. Uh, I, I'm, I'm pumped for both games. Yeah. I, I think they're both got the best, four best. And games. I think the best thing about both these games is that at halftime, timeouts. Right. Get some good grub, and if you want to see some great ideas, GameDayGrubMatch.com. Go to that right there because yeah. you have the opportunity to. Do you know how happy you just made America. her? Yeah. See the yes. smile? So, so, she's so she's like, like, no, but I'm, but I'm just saying, it, it, it was an, if you go to the gamedaygrubmatch.com, sure. right. you'll see the actual uh, how we led up to the uh, the contest, the winners, and what it consists of. And it, it, it's really cool, honestly. And it's just great to see people at the Culinary Institute of America, um, the young people that are up there, and, and the imagination that they have, and the creativity that they have, and taking different foods, the, the PepsiCo ingredients that they took, and what they came up with was, it was, it was, it was, it was cool. Yeah, it was. You're cool. You and Coach Coward, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming and hanging out. Guys, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Uh, episode 48. Yeah. You can Coward. just walk off, too. This okay, is it's like, great. Yeah, we're casual as can be. Don't sweat somebody. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you get me nervous, uh, Coach. Um, I want to ex- continue the kind of conversation we're having there. Right. Of all the matchups that are possible. See you, man. Be good. See you later. What would you say is the most intriguing Super Bowl matchup? And what would you say is the least intriguing? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's 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 interesting. I do think the most intriguing matchup to me is New England Arizona. Okay. I think that can be a lot of fun. I think we could see a lot of big plays. In my mind, that's the best game. Right. I don't think it's the most intriguing. Okay. I, I think gonna, okay. I think Carolina New England is the most intriguing. Right. For the two weeks leading up. Right. I you get, get a little Cam scared Newton. of that matchup. Oh, I don't think it's going to be the best game. Yeah. I think that could that's the kind of game that could swing New England real fast. That could be a blowout. But I do think I think New England Arizona will sit back and go. That's up there with the. Pittsburgh, Arizona. Right. That's up there with the St. Louis, right. New England. No that doubt. one with the coaches and the, and the schemes, I think they match up great. No doubt. But I think Carolina and New England for the two weeks, because I think sometimes the Super Bowl is more about the storylines sure. than yeah. it is the, the game. The buildup of it is yes. uh, almost every bit as the exciting. The worst is the worst Denver, Arizona, or Denver? <sighs> Denver, Arizona is the worst lead up. 
Yeah, I, I think Denver Denver will play either AFC, NFC team very closely. I just don't know if I can legitimately sit there and go, oh, they're going to win the game. Denver, That's Carolina, scares me a little bit. we would love. Right. Denver, Carolina, CBS would hate. Probably exactly right. Denver, Carolina well, is K1 short versus Malik Jackson. CBS is going to be happy them. regardless because it's going to be Brady or Manning in the Super Bowl. So that's going to be the sure. CBS has got a win-win situation for Super Bowl 50 regardless. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. They're probably going to be – CBS will probably be rooting for what? A Cam Brady Super Bowl? I, I would think, think Cam that would be Brady's the two best the best. stories. Right. Because you, you get MVP. Right. You get the you cool, get the young, hip, young quarterback. Right. You get dabs right. and all that stuff. The young newcomers versus the old mainstays. And it's also their 15-1. and one. Right. That looks really good on a graphic. The old mainstays who, I don't know, maybe you could look this up, but I think New England is like one of the three or four youngest teams in football, which should really – Annoy people because they're going to be some around. Total ages right now, and yeah. just average those out. Yeah, yeah. Just give me uh, about an hour. Fendrick, what did <laughs> you think of uh, Calher? He's awesome. I mean, just listening to a guy like that talk about football. Yeah, is, we could have awesome. literally sat here forever. Oh, I'm sure. I could have just kept peppering questions. Sims, I didn't know you weren't a journalist, by the way. Is that? Uh... Oh, you didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. No. I thought you, you well, were. You should know the people. You're the people who work around you. You should. Know I know. I, I thought you had a background facetious. in newspapers. Facetious. Oh, is that yeah, it? Sarcasm, facetious. Any one of those right. adjectives. Splish splash, taking a bath. Yeah, do you notice how the sweat stopped, though? Yeah, if I, well, you got comfortable with them. You weren't nervous anymore. I mean, you were nervous before. Okay, like, so let's talk about this. So let's talk about this. Here's the really funny thing, if you want to be honest. Yeah. I wasn't nervous about Cowher at all. It's more of, I think that my body, that's the way it reacts before I'm going to do stuff on camera. Oh, right. It just does it. Right. Because I, honestly... I love Bill Cower, but I'm not. There is literally. I know you're not. Oh no, no, I, I'm just talking yeah, out loud right, right now. I, it's really funny how the human body does that. Though. Right. We should Where, get a doctor in here sometime and see if we can get that diagnosed as like a off-season. medical reaction. Oh, no, it's my mom. I mean, it's my mom. She's openly told me she's like, I'm a sweater. This is. It's been passed on oh, to YouTube. There you go, Mrs. Lefko. You're she's a sweater, cool with it. Huh? She'll listen to it. She's, she'll Snapchat about she's, it. Yeah, she'll, she'll, she's on Snapchat. Oh, jeez. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> My mom and my bosses, I like go on. I'm like, oh, look who looked at my Snapchats of me. Great. Great. Um, all right. So we agree, though, that, you know, so New England, Arizona is the Super Bowl that we think would be the best game. Yes. All right. Right. Uh, and then I would say New England, Carolina. What does, what does Denver have to do to win their championship game? You think it's – I want to go through each team, what yeah. they have to do to win. You think the defense has to get a touchdown or just – a huge impact play. I think, play. A, yeah, huge impact play there at least creates. I feel like they need more than one. Creates a short field. They probably do. Yeah, they're probably going to need, I, I, when I say, yeah, they're going to need a sack fumble that gives them a 20-yard drive for a touchdown, something like that. Uh, and then you're right. I think they do need one more. Now, whether that where that comes, just one more huge, big, explosive play, whether they can get a screen from Demarius Thomas or a punt return. But it's going to be tough sledding. I mean, the one thing that I think scary about this New England team is New England's executed at a very high level all year. When you really break, when you break down New England, you go, wow, they lost two. You know, their Denver loss, they lost. They were up twenty-one-seven. They dropped a punt return. They dropped the punt, and Gronk got hurt. And Gronk got hurt. And then you go back to the Philadelphia the Eagles loss. Eagles loss was a sham. Punt block. Kick uh, punt inter- return, interception return. Interception yeah, return. exactly. So, so it's not like they weren't executing. Exactly right. And then you can maybe say the Jets game, but then I, I would also say the Jets game. I mean, New England wasn't even close to healthy. That's what's scary about New England. They are healthy. And the Dolphins, they were sitting. Uh, yeah, right. They weren't worried about it. They were healthy and clicking on all cylinders, New England. So, yeah, I just think that Denver's going to have to find a play like that. Now, they can make this game ugly for sure. I don't even think if they don't create any of these plays we're talking about. I mean, I could certainly still see this game being like a 17 14 New New England game. It's late in the fourth quarter, and New Look, England scores no a late one's touchdown. Talking. Justin Houston did not play a lot in that last game. Yeah, right. I think he got hurt. Von Miller will be on the field the entire yeah, time. Von Miller's not been great lately, though. The other thing I want so. to say, though, is Brady gave the Chiefs multiple opportunities to possibly pick off the ball. Right. If Denver makes those interceptions, right. but look, I, I've seen a lot of dropped interceptions in all the games mm-hmm. lately. If Denver can make those picks, right. that'll be big. they got to do those wide receiver The gloves. thing that happens to guys, like I always look at, like I don't panic about b- plays like that with Brady or like what we saw with Carson Palmer because like we've talked about, I mean, the playoffs are a different animal, and those two teams, 
they did have a week off. It does throw you out of your mojo. Yeah, we got healthy and we're fresh, but yeah. as a quarterback, you're a decision maker. I thought Brady overall so, played really well. Yeah, he did. Uh, he really did. I what mean, does, what Carson does, Palmer made some What does New England throws, have to do to win the game? Other Because uh, everyone just assumes they can go out there, but what do they have to get going? Yeah, well, I think New England, the pass protection thing will be huge, especially early on with the noise. You know the defense is going to be amped up. So if I'm New England, I am probably erring, erring on either getting the ball out of my hand quick early on. Uh, you want to make fun of me for saying erring? Yeah, well, what, what word do you think Erring, I don't know. What the hell are you? Well, spell it. I would err, E-R-R. I don't know. No, I believe it. Isn't it erring? I, I don't know what you're going for he's there. He's saying he's like erring yeah, on I, the side. I know the word emphasizing, maybe. Uh, I would, no, he's no, trying to say I would err erring. on the side of oh, oh, caution. on the side of caution yes, is the exactly. expression you're thinking right. of. But I don't think you can just can take it. Can you spell err? Er, I think it's E-R-R. Right, sorry. Okay. So, all right, so, but I no, was I just, just, you were, I just saw the doubt in your eyes um, when you said the word. Uh, so then, yeah, E-R-R um, is how it's spelled. Great. Um, I was going to say airing, A-I-R. I'm not even kidding. Uh, but, no, I think that's a big thing is the protection, especially early on. I would err on throwing the ball quick or max protecting early on just to make sure you don't get a sack fumble right. or the right tackle can't hear the snap count and doesn't get off the ball in time. What about defensively? But defensively. How do you, how do you attack Peyton? Uh, well, I, I think the big thing is, like Cower said, you do want to give some different looks. Disguises are huge because Peyton's going to get the team in the right pl- in the right play, and Belichick will be really good at disguising what of he course. wants to do to Peyton. He's got so much experience against him. Uh, but I, I do think at the end of the day, the big thing is I'm playing Peyton aggressive. I'm not letting the run game be. I have me. a question for you. Right. So you were there. Were you ever there? You were in the week when you worked for New England for a New England Manning game. Uh, yeah, we, I, I was there for a New England Manning game. What was the preparation like leading up to so, that game? So, let's see. What year was that? That was, uh, what the heck year was that? It was 12? 2012. That was Peyton's first year in Denver, right? Uh, and that was, we beat them at home, New England. We killed them, actually, really, at home. Uh, well, I... Honestly, that's the amazing thing about New England. Nothing changes. If they were playing Tennessee Titans or they're playing the AFC Championship game, you couldn't go out to a Thursday practice and tell the difference. That's what's amazing about New England. Uh, I think when I just think about it back to that point, uh, there's certainly extra emphasis on just the pass game, the the noticing of the weapons, who's where, where's Demarius Thomas, where's their other weapons. Yes. They didn't have Emmanuel Sanders then, but I do remember those weeks of practice. Like, you know, of course, we had they, the offensive scout team had the jerseys on with their numbers. So Akib Tlaib knew, oh, I got to go match up with Demarius right. Thomas on this play, all those is, things. Is your breakdown of Arizona, Carolina, Carolina's zone defense, Arizona can get that quick passing game going. Yeah, I think they can get all passing game going. And, and I think I'm also one that... What does uh, Carolina then have to do to win this oof, game? Because I, I it does seem like... it does like I've already made my pick so right. that it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but like I, I heard you talk about that and I was like... that Carolina's not going to be able How to do anything. How can you not be scared about Carolina a little and you just look at like... Pull up their schedule, and we'll just the numbers that some of the quarterbacks have put up against them throwing yeah. the football. Well, Andrew Luck had success. Aaron right. Rodgers had success. Right. Sam Bradford had I mean, success. Drew Brees, jo- Luke McCown had a phenomenal day yes. when he played for the Saints. I mean, uh, Ryan had a good. Yes, yeah, so the last the last five weeks of the season were Saints, Falcons, Giants, Falcons, Bucks. Right. So the last five weeks. right. Okay. All right. So I mean, the Fal- the Falcons one time they dominate, but regardless, you got to be a little concerned that Arian's so creative. I don't think this. The the, the scary thing is I don't. Know if the Carolina pass rush is good enough to get there they by itself, speed. right? So uh, that is going to be a really interesting thing, and that's why last week we saw the blitzes start to come, the corner blitzes, things yeah. like that. Yeah, okay, do things like They're that. Forcing it, yeah. Maybe you can create a play, but also you're going to leave yourself vulnerable in the back end in some situations, like you said, Kirk Coleman matched up against. Oh my gosh, John Brown. Well, that's the thing. Is so I asked you, should I be worried about Carson Palmer moving forward? Because I thought Carson Palmer looked awful against Green Bay until the end, right. When he made that incredible play for Larry Fitzgerald, right. The touch wasn't there the reads weren't right he kind of looked a little flustered yeah you said I'm not going to let one game throw me off right that's how I feel about Kurt Coleman right I'm not going to let you know one season really tell me that he's <laughs> not Kurt Coleman that I saw but why do you still have faith in Carson going forward you think he really just got all the 
the, the butterflies. I, I do. The I think it's it's tough. First of all, for a guy his age, he has no playoff experience. That was a different speed. The way that game moves, uh, and I think he just did not have his greatest night either. I really think he just missed throws. It took me back to like their Rams loss early in the year. He missed a lot of throws in that game as well. That's why I'm not too concerned about Arizona because I look at Arizona and go, you know, they really they just didn't play their best football. I do think that's out of their system to a degree. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to let 17 games. Uh, or one game distract me from the other 16 that yeah. I thought, oh, wow, they were a phenomenal football team. Uh, and, and I think Carson made some phenomenal throws in that game. Uh, his judgment was off just a little, whether it's the end yes. zone, just throwing the loft, yeah, that, trying to that get was the player. But those went, are the are things doing? that mess you mess up yeah. in, in the playoffs a little bit with that week off. I um, Excuse me as I yawned. That's embarrassing. Um, oh, that's ridiculous. Jeez. I can't believe I just did Do that. Do I need to bleep that out? Uh, no, <laughs> no. get in there. Yeah, wake up. Um, I will say this. I said this last week. Right. If Carolina and Arizona don't win, I don't understand football. Candidly, I'll put this all out there. I said I was going to bet on the games. I bet on the games. Right. I put money on Arizona. The line was seven and a half. Did not cover. Right. And I'm sitting there going, I'm not going to bet on Carolina. I'm not someone that needs gambling. I don't need to win my money back. Right. So about five minutes before the game, I go, Sims, man, I'm, I'm not going to bet, but Carolina minus three and a half. Like I, I think Carolina's going to win. He goes, I think Carolina's going to win by 10. And I went, all right, hey, I, yeah, I need to put money. <laughs> I won the money, the money back on Carolina, but it just shows you, I, I think seven and a half, I feel good about it. Uh, seven, thank you. Seven and a half was a lot of money for any play, is a lot of points for any playoff right, game. Right. That's why, even though I agree with you that I think Arizona will beat Carolina yeah. because of that, right. it's going to be super close. I it's agree just with not, that. It's not possible for these teams that are this close in talent right. for one thing to really separate them No doubt much. about it. And, and, and we're, we've talked about only one matchup. I, I think Carolina's going to move the ball in Arizona, you too. You think so? I do, because Arizona is definitely going to have to be conscious of stopping the run game with Carolina. They're gonna, they are an aggressive team in general. We've seen that. In games, they give they will give up some big plays. And Carolina in the past game, that's all they're looking for. I mean, have we seen a guy throw more big plays down the field to receivers sure. who are tightly covered, like the touchdown to uh, Greg Olson. Olson? That was I mean, freaking that incredible. was an amazing throw, right? So, you, I mean, Cam's not going to lose, you know, his his uh, ability to pull the trigger this week. That's Ranked for sure. Four quarterbacks. In this week for me. I know we're going to be doing quarterback okay, power I, well, Okay, yeah, okay. We're not talking all time here. Let's Just make that this right week. now. The best quarterback in football is Cam Newton. And number two would be Tom Brady. So you are put. So you had Tom Brady ahead of Cam Newton last week. Uh, Didn't you? No, no, I did not. I Cam so you're one. going Cam one, Tom, Tom two, two, Carson three, Peyton four. Yes, I am. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. is going to be It's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm pumped. I want to get this out of the way before we get Nelson in here. Um, I've had a lot of people asking me my thoughts uh, the Eagles hire Doug Peterson. Yeah. Uh, there are rumors that they're going to hire Frank Reich as their offensive coordinator. Terp. And then there's rumors they're going to hire uh, Jim Schwartz as D.C. Right. Um, I like that. I like Schwartz. Schwartz I love. Right. Doug Peterson. Yeah, I'm not thrilled about it. Is it the worst hire Why in the world? Why would you? Come on. The, not thrilled about well, it? Well, no. The, we, the reason I've been – well, yeah, because I don't think Doug I Peterson's think a bad awful. coach. I think it's awful from the standpoint of – why did you fire Andy Reid then? Because you just rehired Andy Reid Jr. This the is going to be the like same. The reason I like it is now my confidence is completely shaken in the owner Jeffrey Lurie right. from this standpoint. You make a decision that it was time to move on from somebody. Right. The fans were ready for it. You were ready for it. The time you probably let Andy Reid go about two years longer than you probably should have. Right. To be honest. You go and you make this splashy move to get a guy like Chip Kelly to be an innovator. You outbid a ton of other franchises to get a guy, and guess what? You experience some success. Right. At the first sign of it not working out, you pull the ripcord and go back to where it was. Right. So now I'm thinking that you really didn't have the guts the first time to make this move, that you're just a panderer. You're, just, you're doing what the public wants you to do. Right. And now I have no hope. I am not interested in Eagles football hardly at all next season. Right. I, I think this is a boring hire. It's someone that I, I, he has no proven track record at all. And it just shows me that you're afraid. It's a afraid hire. It's a well, fear it's hire. Com it's comfort. It's comfort. There's no doubt about that. And, okay. so, and we know that's a theory. I mean, that goes on in the NFL. I mean, that's why we see. Is, comfort is the cousin of complacency. Right. In the NFL, you are mediocre if you're not going for a championship. Right. You are completely mediocre. I'll say this, though, just to, for some positivity here Please. before you just sh 
all over the Eagles. Um, the big, uh, he is going to be. You guys are going to be good, though. I don't look at it and go. That, oh. But see, that was the reason I was so, done with Andy Reid. Right. I was done with eight and eight and ten and six okay. and first round playoff exit. I was done with poor clock management on the one yard line. Andy Reid did that with us. You right. think that Doug Peterson hasn't learned the same stuff? Well, dude, that would certainly concern me. We're going to see, but that oh, is the they're concern. Gonna be good. That was the thing. Oh, you're going to be. Eagle. You know what? I would rather the Eagles burn out and go four and twelve, but go for a Super Bowl than be okay with nine and seven. Right. Have you not realized, football fans, that there are four or five teams that can win a Super Bowl and the rest are just sitting there with their thumbs up their ass? That's really the, how this league works. There were five teams this year that could win the Super Bowl, and guess what? Four of them are in the championship game. The Bengals were the fifth team. Right. Those were the five teams maybe that the could Steelers, win the Super Bowl. Maybe the Steelers, if they stayed but, healthy. But maybe but, the Steelers, yeah. maybe the Seahawks, right. but they were the, we're shooting well, for and it, they but do we might everything not get in the organization the right they're way. Trying they're trying You're right. The other 26 teams in the NFL are just protecting their they're jobs. They're just trying to keep their jobs. <laughs> yeah. They don't care. We're going to take the safe guy that Mel Kuyper thought was really good. We're going to sign the free agent because the fans like him. Go for a Super Bowl. Doug Peterson, stop trying to make us feel safe, Jeffrey Lurie. We don't want to be safe anymore. That's why Chip Kelly was great. And to all you fans that are like, oh, we want to be safe, go watch baseball. Go watch baseball. <laughs> you get 162 games where you're going to win a few of them. I swear to God. I it's really, just I don't I get it. I know when you're really hot because your lip forward. starts to quiver, too. You get, the little, you get a little quiver. Can I just point out that Lefko was yawning at the start of that segment, and then he ended it with a lip <laughs> quiver. How do you feel? You feel better now? I feel great. And huh. in this mode, I want Nelson in because I want him to experience his energy, too. Damn. Get in here, Come Steven. on, Nelson. It's hot up here Come today, over and deal with the Bears. Well, well, let me ask you this. So what is your feelings about what the Chicago Bears did with, like, John Fox and all that stuff? Did um, it feel good? No. At the time, I didn't He's like it. He's loving this. Look at this. Is that Woody approved? Did we talk about that last yeah, week? Last week okay, it was cool. Woody approved. No, Just making sure. He's I didn't ask you this week. Do you, do you feel like the Bears, though? Do you feel like the Bears are trying to win a Super Bowl now with these guys? Yeah, I, I, well, I think the pace higher was more exciting to me than the Fox one. Mm. And Sims kind of talked me off the ledge. I, I was kind of like, let's let's get something new. Right? Yes, you know right. what I'm saying. And but Fox, and then when he hired Fangio, and then I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. But like, where right, you guys were at, Fox was the right hire. Yeah, I mean, they went from they went from Preston and Mel Tucker to, point, to John Fox yeah. and Vic yes. Fangio. To that point with Adam Gase, I mean, to that point with uh, that Ryan Pace. Yeah, the Eagles keep Howie Roseman. Right. You keep the same guy that's been backstabbing people, and like, come on. I, I know. I'm Front sorry. office people, you're I'm crazy. Sorry. <laughs> crazy. That was awesome. No, I came in right as you got rolling there. Yeah. Well, the front office is just the, the biggest issue about the front office, and I think we've said it on here. Maybe we haven't said it in a video version, but this is truly one of the issues with front offices in football right now. Not a lot of qualified people. It's about who you know. It's a lot of, oh, my dad was friends with the coach so or my dad was friends with the owner. What so makes that's someone an issue. qualified? Yeah. I, well, a qualified guy would be somebody that's been in football for a while and studies the game. But I found myself, even in my year in New England, I'm like, why are you sitting next to me? Oh, my dad knows the owner, this, that. Like, okay, great. But, I, you know, I, I feel a little taken back that you're even in the same So do you think that more former players and stuff should be doing like GM responsibilities? Well, that or just finding coaches that come up the college ranks, but the front office has been just, it's been monopolized by rich white America. It really has. That's almost how I want to say it because also the other thing you got to throw into it is they don't, you get paid nothing at these starting jobs. So if you don't come from a family with a little bit of money, you can't survive. I mean, there I was making, I think, $20,000. You know, I was fortunate because I had a career, but I had a other young kid sitting next to me, $20,000. I mean, it's hard to survive when you're in the, you know, Northeast and as expansive it is. Exactly right. Did I say expansive? Expansive. We knew what you meant. Yeah. Uh, I have a question before we get to on down, if that's okay. Please. You were talking about your Eagles. I'm not sure how much time you guys spent talking about the Titans because that was a franchise that got roasted Ugh. over the weekend based right. on their we know you the love press Mariota. You're looking out for him. Yeah, and I watched your guys' video, the winners and losers, the coaching carousel, and you young quarterbacks. Marcus yeah. wasn't one of them, right. and understandably so because right. of malarkey. Would you rather be the Titans or would you rather be the Eagles? 
given the, the, the regimes in place. You're now. talking about including roster, coaches, yeah, all organization. That stuff. I'd rather be the Eagles because of what he was telling me about the Adams family right now with Tennessee right, right. and how apparently – tone deaf. Listen. Well, there's that. And, like, think about any company. If the, the main guy at the company doesn't have his stuff together, right. that stuff trickles down. Right. Yeah. I've always said, you know, what? like, people are like, oh, well, why would one organization talk trash and, and why does stuff get out in Cleveland? Because if Haslam is saying things to people, <laughs> right. then the guy below him thinks he can say things yeah, to exactly people. Yeah, exactly right. And right now at the Adams family, they're all they're all trying to figure out. It's a lot like what's happening in New Orleans. When it's you like have a rich owner, bickering family. I want yes. my share. Who's got control? Exactly. And yeah, then, so right. the people that have to answer to them is a mess and it gets down. But from a roster perspective, I mean, when you have a guy like Mariota, there's a lot of excitement there. Right. And they do have pieces. Um, they weren't even represented at the owners' meetings. You know that, right? And the, I mean, owners, just, the owners' meetings were in the hometown of where the Adams live. It was in Houston, but there was nobody there to represent the Tennessee Titans. And that's a big issue why I don't think – first of all, I don't even know if their head coaching searching candidate was even legit. I really don't. I think yeah, they, they said, interviewed they a few right guys. Away, we, we knew we wanted to hire right. Mike and right and away. You look at the people they brought in. I don't really think other than Doug Marone. He was like really – I know they did Ray Orton, uh, but they never really looked like they were actually looking for somebody else. But yeah. I think a lot of – viable candidates just didn't want to mess with it because of the ownership issue. Go. You know, new owner comes next year and you go, he goes, you know, I want a coach that's on my coaching yeah. tree or I know this guy. So then you're gone and that scares coaches. Go watch Bilal Powell's run for the Jets against the Titans and tell me that that malarkey team looks like they're really giving some effort. I mean, they were so bad at the end of the year to hire a guy. I mean, talk about falling into a job. Yeah. I bet you well, he made a got hurt too. You think, you think maybe he took less than other coaching candidates? What, malarkey? Yeah. Well, he was probably making less in general. But, yeah, I would imagine, yeah, those kind of coaching candidates are going to get maybe two and a half to three million Discount. a year. Where if you get an Adam Gase, you're going to probably pay him around five, five or a year. six. Right. Yeah. right. Um, at this time, I would like to call for DJ Steinmetz to start spinning that Adam Lefko, one of the coaches that you wanted for your Philadelphia Eagles is named Jim Harbaugh. Would have been great. Stayed at Michigan and is on the recruiting trail. National Signing Day, about three weeks away. And Harbaugh is doing whatever he can do to land the number one place-kicking recruit in the country, Quinn Norton. <laughs> Harbaugh reportedly spent the night at Norton's house. And I'll read a quote from the recruit. That's weird. I would cancel him out right there. Under, my, under, under the exact rules, he's going to be at my house at 12.01 after midnight, right. he said. That's when it's illegal for him to be at my house. He said we can watch a movie, see how well we gel. And he said he would sleep over after that. I was in tears laughing when he said that. He said the next day, if my parents didn't want me to miss school, he would go to every class with me and go to lunch with me. Wow. I was laughing so for a hard. a kicker, huh? And, 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 yeah, Damn. kicker. Number one kicker. Damn. a kicker. Yes. My question for you two is, what's your best slumber party story? <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on. Oh, you, that would turn you off if a coach wanted to do that with yeah, you? Yeah, I don't want a coach sleeping in my house. Call me. We'll come, come meet me during dinner, and we'll have a talk. I don't want you sleeping in my house, especially 1201, and I got school. I got to go to According sleep, According to Scout, which was when we reported this story, he didn't ask for Betty, just asked for a six-foot, three-inch piece of carpet. Did he actually sleep there? Apparently so. That? Yeah, I don't know. Well, whatever. Okay, go ahead. Best sleepover. Yes. Yeah. That's crazy. Hmm. Sims, did you have any weird stuff happen while you were being recruited? Yeah. Well, I had coaches, of course, come visit my house. But I mean, no, nothing like that. Okay. I mean, you know, the, the worst thing about coach uh, being recruited was just like Saturday. You know, I had a Friday night game. Saturday morning, you get to sleep in. But that was one of the times the coaches could call you. So it'd be like 7 o'clock. You're a gr oh. you know, 17, 16-year-old kid. You want to sleep in on a Saturday. Starting 7 a.m., coaches would start calling. And it was great. It was an honor to talk to them and all that. But you're also like, damn, couldn't they wait till like this 10? It's time to sleep in. Yeah, right, right. Uh, so I have one. It was my, my good friend Evan's birthday. I've known him since I was like pretty much born. And it was like 15, like 12-year-olds in a basement, big-time sleepover. Yeah. And we saw Revenge of the Nerds, which <laughs> if you've never seen Revenge of the Nerds, it's an amazing movie. And there's like a lot of sexual things in it that yeah. when you're 12 – it was hilarious when they like go into the sorority house and like they steal whatever. And then uh, I'm not going to give out all the information, but in the basement we found something. I can't really describe what it was, and it just turned into pandemonium of like us for the next hour. I can't even give the information. It was it was amazing. <laughs> it was just 12 year olds being like, "Where? Who am I?" It was great.
That was great. Okay. We we'll use right. our imaginations. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I I don't even have a slumber <laughs> party that jumps out. Oh, my slumber parties. I mean, I don't I, I don't really have one that even can come to my head. I think the things I think of when I just have a slumber party would be like, man, all the you know I had a few guys on the team, people over my house in college, and we were too intoxicated, and we all pass out. And my house or my apartment in college. Wait, who's the guy who did your papers again? Uh, oh, Sam. Some of them, Sam. Yeah, Sam. Sam was my good, yeah, Sam's the man. Uh, but yeah, that, my ha- my apartment my senior year was always the, let's go back to Sims's house and we'll continue to the party there, or my apartment, excuse me. And I had a little one bedroom, but it had a good little family room. And of course, yeah, two o'clock, you know, Saturday night, college kid, but everybody come back there. Two o'clock we, on a Saturday night? It's pretty well, early. Yeah, well, the, the bars, I guess, you know, 2 30. The bars oh, okay. close at two, right? I was just checking. Yeah, yeah, it's not New York. No, I know. No. You know, New York, you can <laughs> go all night. It. Right. Uh, but yeah, then like I'd wake up the next morning. I had gone to my bed and I'd come back out and like eight people would be in my living room, like on the couch, <laughs> on the floor. Uh, so th- I don't know. Those are my my slumber parties. That's great. You don't want Jim Harbaugh as your coach. He'll be gone in three years. Yeah, you don't want that. He's gonna be he's gonna be gone out of Michigan three years from now. You watch. I can't root for Jim Harbaugh. You know why? Yeah. Yeah. I'm done with Jim Harbaugh. Go Ohio State. Oh. Yeah. Right. Bam. I'm. Uh, yeah. We know. Why. Uh, Fendrick. I don't care. Do you have a slumber party story? He was disrespectful. I don't know if I can share any of mine. My big slumber party <laughs> years were around the bar mitzvah era, which is when uh, the Jews get together with all their camp friends and they sleep over in some random <laughs> northeastern city. Uh, it was yeah, stuff I can't talk about on the podcast. Right, 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 sleepovers. Right. This is really intense. <laughs> they were okay. out of control. Um, good to know. We can uh, talk off camera, bar mitzvah sleepovers. How about you, Nelly? Uh, two come to mind. Uh, one... I, I, it's going to get cut out of the podcast, so I just won't even talk about it. Uh, the other one, just um, so you have to sleep over the next day, like in that morning, that you're always doing something when you're a kid, anyway. Uh, so that day was soccer. Never played before. I'm like, oh, I would play with my friends. Got a ball kicked in my face. That was done with soccer the right, rest of my life. Right. But that was one sleepover. The other one, yeah, a little more in that junior high age. Uh, one of the pay-per-view channels, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. Every school yeah. had a subscription. When you used to sit there and watch, try to watch the Spice Channel when it was squiggly, yeah, and you'd be like, squiggles. oh, I saw a nipple. Right. <laughs> I, I saw a nipple. Yeah, that's ex- pretty much exactly how that happened. Awesome. I remember so. one time I was a kid, and I had a basketball <laughs> game in Philadelphia the next morning, and uh, it was like all these friends, and they were playing Twisted Metal, the the driving game where you like crash and shoot yeah. each oh, other. We're still yeah. talking about this damn slumber party crap. Can we go on to the next f-ing subject? And please? they kept me up forever, and I didn't sleep. Holy sh! Gosh, right. let's next subject. Let's go. All right. I'll well, look. I'm sorry that like we had great childhoods where like people slept. Over I don't even want to share it. Then nobody wants to hear about All it. All right, let's Sims. Go. We will close the window on one conversation Gosh. and <laughs> open the window for another. Because a window is a metaphor for the Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl championship. I had no idea where I was going with that. According to Richard Sherman, the window is very much wide open for right. the Hawks. Right. It says they're still in their prime. And if you look at the roster, all the key role players are pretty much 27 or under. Right. My question for you two, a more serious one, is do you believe that the Seahawks window for a Super Bowl is very much open? How open is it? Wow. This is a real question. Real question. Wow. Yeah. Every once in a while, we'll sprinkle one Okay. I do think it's still open. Mm. Um, and Lefko and I have talked about this a lot. I, I, did he just yawn again? Like, welcome to work today. Thanks. Uh, but have you given up coffee? I don't know what's wrong I with him today. Uh, no, it is still open. They got to reevaluate their team in general. I mean, Lefko and I were there in training camp. The first thing, you know, I yeah, you pointed out to backups. him, and then he realized, and he was like, "Yeah, you're right." I go, "Look at their backups. It's just not as impressive as some of the other teams." We had seen in training camp. You just see like the second tier D line go out and there you and go, go wow, they damn. drop off like sixty pounds in every <laughs> right, position. Right, exactly right. It's like a it's like the uh, the Pee Wee B team yeah. come in. But uh, you've paid your whole salary cap to ten players. So right. they're gonna have to really work hard in free agency in the draft to find bargains that way. They might have to ask some people to renegotiate their contracts. Uh, you know, because you don't really see any successful teams following that mode. New England Patriots aren't paying the majority of their salary cap to 10 people. Um, so that is going to be an issue they're going to have to deal with. they got to make – we made a video about it yesterday. It's no longer about run game and beast mode. The offense has to grow. It's Russell Wilson's world now. they got to throw the ball more. they got to put a few more weapons around him. 
Um, but I think at the end of the day, no, they're, they're still young. They're one of the youngest teams in football. Yeah. But they are going to have to change some things. The brutally honest the defense, truth. Court, the defense has to change. The brutally honest truth for Seattle is they need to start integrating man-to-man on defense. They need to yeah. either get rid of Daryl Bevel or Daryl Bevel needs to learn how to call more plays right. and expand the playbook. They need to get some more weapons on the outside. Chris Matthews, boy, he looked good in Baltimore. Yeah, right. It would have been nice to have a nice big receiver for Russell Wilson to throw yeah. to. Figure out how to use Jimmy Graham. I just feel like they, they, I really think they had like a hangover from the Super Bowl loss. Well, it's and a they lot. didn't adjust anything. It's a lot. It was a lot of crap this offseason, whether it was Beast Mode, everybody, Cam Chancellor yeah. wanting those. I mean, Call that's a, Marshall Lynch. And they need to get right. Marshall Lynch is done in Seattle. Yeah, he is. He's done. But that's, that's, that's three years in a row. He did not have one play this year where I went, oh, that was a good play. Fourth year in a row into the, you know, the playoffs. And that takes a toll, the physical yeah. style they play. Uh, but the biggest thing is, he said, yes, the defense has to change. The NFL has caught on to the Seattle, you know, three press bail scheme. It has. It is Jacksonville, Atlanta, the Oakland Raiders. They run it. Everybody's studying Seattle. This is how you beat the cover three press bail. That's you, it. You watch That's film, it. even like. I That's watched it. a little of that film. You take yesterday. a running back and you go this way. You take a wide receiver, you go this way, and then the guy that has to cover back, he's like, "Oh crap, two people." <laughs> it's every single time. No, it does a lot. There's Seattle no got Carolina with it when Carolina ran. Cover you're seeing three this more week. and more staples of it. You, you know, you watch Seattle film, you go, "Oh man, everybody's got uh, uh, eight to ten plays that they know expose the scheme of Seattle." That is uh, something they're going to have to I readjust. I mean, just watching Russell Russell Sherman it was like me Richard with Tampa Sherman. too. I was there in Tampa too with the. Tampa right, the Bay beginning Buccaneers. is incredible. I was there in Tampa too. They had just won the Super Bowl, right. but everybody in the NFL was going, "Man, we got to learn how to beat the Bucks in Tampa too." The post and then right our coaches the started going somewhere else, and all of a sudden, two years later, Tampa too. You would you were hoping teams would play Tampa so too being, against you. So being a part of a team that was at the time in that Super Bowl window, you just joined the Bucks. Then. Right. How, what was the atmosphere of that off season like? I think well, uh, oh, yeah, that it was a little bit of a distraction after the win. I mean, there was a team that I think. Um, felt they had all the guys back. That Tampa team, they were talking about going undefeated the, my rookie year, the year I was there. Of course, wow. I was doing nothing, but that's what their talk was before the year. We're going to go undefeated, and then Julius Peppers and Chris Jenkins and company, they started talking, saying, no, we're going to win the NFC South this year. So it was actually a lot of fun because there was some really heated rivalry there. But, yes, the team kind of took it for granted. They thought they could just go out there again and do it by themselves with their talent, and we lost some close early games, mm. and the season started to fall apart. And we ended up, I think, going 7-9, and nine, and we still had one of the best defenses in football. I think Seattle is going to be a, a, one, of the, one of the teams that's a Super Bowl real big team next year. I think this was a slap in the face. Yeah, they, hopefully think, they can get it right. I have the, confidence the, in them. The, I, just, I need to see if Pete Carroll can change. Can right. he adapt? Because there needs to be a lot of adaptation. I think he can. And what he just said, did you anybody read what he said yesterday? Yesterday he talked about Russell Wilson making the next step. He made a he had a long. Uh, he was like, pre- "We're going to learn football. We're going to learn football," which I think was really interesting because we saw Cam Newton take that step this year, where we see Cam at the line of scrimmage. You don't really see Russell Wilson when you think about it, right? He doesn't really call the protections a right. lot of times. They let the offensive line do that. So, so that's what it means to learn football. That's what he's he's going to teach him defensive football to know. Okay, wait. They run this defense. I know what plays we like against this defense. And I know, oh, they bring this blitz over here. I know the five or six running plays that will expose that, the protections. So he's really going to take a step up. He didn't have to the first few years. They right. had a great defense. They had a run game. I liked McCarthy so, saying that Eddie Lacy needs to lose weight, Yeah, that too. was awesome. Yeah. He, that need, was. he needed to say that out loud. Right, right. Um, we got some games to pick, fellas. Uh, Fendrick Lamar, you want to update the good people? We're sorry. picking sorry, the same sorry. game. No real update here. You guys both went 4-0 last yeah. week. Picked the same games. Yeah. Pretty good. Uh, yeah. So, Lefko, you still have a two-game lead heading into the championship games. And, and it's I think not that means change. we're going to end up picking the same two. Here. We're picking the same two. Yeah. We're picking Arizona and New England. Yeah. These are the teams we've both have uh, all year yeah. been. I said week eight, Arizona's going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, you've been picking in bracketology. New England to New win. New England, Arizona right. the entire time. Yeah. Okay, so we might have a disagreement for the Super Bowl. Wait, hold on. Maybe I should reassess my pick then here. Well, you said New England. Because now did, I remember thinking, doing videos after the draft. We should have brought the belt in and just given it to you today. No, what he's thinking right now is if he goes Carolina. No. No, I, yeah, yeah, I'd have to do. I'd have to You're do. De- neither of us are taking Denver. No, I right. thought about it with Carolina just in terms of can they do ball control? Will Cam hit a few of those deep balls? I don't think I can't because catch I, you. 
regardless. You can if, if you New go England Carolina to the Super Bowl. If you go Carolina this week, because right. I'm not budging off Arizona. If right. you go Carolina, right. and then no, yeah. I'm, See, I can't really. But unless I might pick Arizona, <laughs> I might pick Arizona the Super Bowl. <laughs> but my my thing is is if if Carolina look. I was not impressed with Carson Palmer at all last game. Right. But I also went, wow, without Tyron Matthew, this secondary for Arizona is nowhere near as good as where they were. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot more guys out there. It was, it was Patrick Peterson and, like, three guys that I don't have a lot of confidence in. Right. If they're able to make that work, they, I just think that Arizona's going to be able to score more consistently than Carolina. Right. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I have no... I'm not predict the game. How do you think the game goes? I think the game is gonna. I actually think this game is gonna be an offensive showdown. I really do. I think it's gonna be the type of game where whoever gets the ball first is gonna drive right down, score a touchdown. They're gonna kick it off to the other team, and they're gonna go right down and score the touchdown. I think we're gonna see like a. If you made me pick a score, I'm gonna say 35-31 Arizona. Amazing. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a really exciting game. I think it's. Like we said, it's an aggressive Arizona defense that's going to let up some plays, especially against this offense. And I think Bruce Arians and Carson having to deal with the defense that plays zone all game long, they're just going to find a million different ways to do carve whatever they want to carve it up. Uh, what's your score prediction for New England-Denver? New England-Denver, I'm going to say New England wins 24-14. That would be my... Is there ever a point of the game where going Denver has control? I think it's going to be 17-14 late in the game. Four or five minutes left, and we're gonna go. You know, we're gonna go. Damn, you know, Denver just can't go down and score a touchdown, and New England's finally gonna have that one last drive to just put it away. When it's New England, and let's say it's Arizona, right? What do you think the spread's gonna be for New England? I think New England will be favored by four. And then what would it be, New England, Carolina? I think New England will be favored by probably by less, even though I don't think that should necessarily. A lot of it depends on how the game ends. It does, right? right. Did you win some money last week? Uh, I broke even. Got it. Yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, okay. Arizona. Thanks to me. You know that, right? No, yeah, he broke would, even because he wasn't going to bet. I wasn't going to bet the Carolina, Carolina game. I, was game. Like, I said, dude, I said, losses. Carolina's going to beat Seattle by 10 points, and he bet it five minutes before the game. Yeah. Because yeah. I was going to bet the Carolina game the day before. Josh wants us to end this up. Let's go. Yeah. No, you, you can wanna, finish your point. Yeah. Uh, Give us one more yawn before you go. This is the yawning I, I podcast. Say, 48, the yawning podcast. Oh, 48. <laughs> I want to say that I appreciate having, unlike Russell Wilson, good people around me that can carry me when I really need it to happen. And this is one of those days. Hey. Not feeling too hot. Hey, I'm, no problem. I can be your uh, Cam Chancellor. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get some shoots, brother. Shoots, brother. Sims. Peace out, homies. Fendi. Blair Bynes, number 48, Rutgers football. Oh, 06 yes, 09. please. Don't one more time, please. Bynes, yes, you thank you. Blair Bynes. That's all I needed to say. Oh. Pellegrino, ready with the things. Oh, oh they're so much cleaner things. than Gabe's oh. dirty fingers. Well, there's a wedding ring on that finger. I know. It's, yes. How dare he wed. Uh, what? <laughs> all right. Uh, control room, thank you guys. Jake, great job, Ryan. Woo! I saw all the graphics Man, there. look at that. I see you sign that's back Ryan, there. Ryan, the graphics. Michelle, the lead dog, feeling good. Hey, Michelle. Hey. Michelle, uh, how's the Michelle's 49ers the doing in the playoffs? Oh, oh uh, great. The yeah. chipper. <laughs> Uh, look, championship game week is going to be awesome. We're going to be here watching the games together. If you want, you could tweet us on the Sims and Lefko uh, account. That's at Sims and Lefko. Fendrick will be running that for the championship games. So if you want to, I'll make sure that he is focused solely on that and not getting his work done just to keep the conversation going. You know what I mean? I keep it going. Yeah, the glisten's coming back. I got a few more yawns that I got to get out. Episode 40 is in the book. Please subscribe on iTunes. Hit us up as always. It's funny when I say iTunes, he backs off. I never know why. It's technology. Since the left go. <laughs> Gosh, I'm struggling hard. <laughs> <laughs>